Great time of worship, isn't it? I tell you, I am so thankful for our worship team. We are so blessed. I want to welcome you, and I want to say thank you so much for coming. I welcome all of you who are watching online. I know you're scattered all over literally the world, and I just want to say welcome. And if you're a guest here this morning, if this is your first or second or third time here, and maybe you're looking for a church home and you just can't get this right, I would encourage you immediately following, if you would just go out into the Grand Foyer area, we've got a guest services. They'll answer your questions, and anything that you want to know more about, we'll, we'll get that answer, because we want you to consider making Central Community Church your permanent church home, okay? All right, so I told you that I was going to do something every week for the next several weeks, and that is this, okay? The first thing I want you to know that I love you, okay? The second thing I want you to do is I want you to look to the person to your right, and I want you to look at them and tell them, my pastor loves me. Then I want you to look to your left, and I want you to say, that man's my favorite. (laughs) All right, would you go find somebody that you don't know, and would you just say, I'm glad you're here. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> I don't want to do that too long because I know it makes some of you feel really uncomfortable. I remember what it was like, you know, when you go to church and the pastor says, you got to go find somebody you don't know, and you're thinking, oh. But I want you to know, I want you to get comfortable with that because that's what we're supposed to do. And here's why. Because there are people in this room who don't have a church home. There are people in this room who are still trying to figure out this Jesus thing. There are people in this room that don't even feel like they should be here. But what I want them to know is I want them to experience the love of Jesus found only in the body of Christ. And you know what? You know why people will come back here? Not because of the pastor, not because of the worship. They're going to come back because of you and how you make them feel. And people go where they feel loved and valued. Amen? All right, there was a lady who was incredible at making meatloaf. True story. Oh, I love meatloaf. Are we having meatloaf for supper, lunch? No, not. Okay. Uh, and, and what she did is that she had a dinner party, and she invited a bunch of people over. And so she made her famous meatloaf. That night, everybody came over, and they had a great time. The meatloaf was sensational. And she went to bed, and the next morning, she went to work. While she was at work, she was washing her hands, and she realized her wedding ring was missing. She knew right away where it was. It went in with the stuff in the meatloaf. So she called back to home, and her mom was there cleaning up from the night before, and she goes, Mom, have the trash people come for the trash yet? Yes, dear, they just left with the bag from last night. Oh, she was just upset and beside herself, so she called her husband. This is the call she wasn't looking forward to. She said, dear, she said, I lost my wedding ring. But the good news is I know where it is. It's in the sanitation department. They've they've got it, okay? It's in the garbage truck. And so he just hung up on her. She didn't expect that. Well, what he did is he quick called the sanitation department. They found out where the truck was, stopped that truck. And then the husband and wife met that truck 
on the side of the road, and they just started going through trash. You know what happened? The sanitation department sent five workers, five workers to help them find that wedding ring. And after 45 minutes only, they found the wedding ring. Now, when it was all said and done, the lady said, she said, you know what I was more amazed at than anything? That what the sanitation, the length the sanitation department would go to to help me find something that was valuable to me. I want you to remember that story because I'm going to come back to it at the very end of my message, okay? Now, we're in a message right now, a series called So Much More. It's a story about the woman at the well, and I'm going to make you feel really uncomfortable today, but that's okay. It's a real simple message, but you're going to feel uncomfortable, and that's just the way it is. I want to remind you of something, okay? One of the things I told you last week from the very beginning is this, is that the purpose of this story is for us to learn how and witness how to interact with people that don't look like us, think like us, or believe like us. In other words, I want to talk about how we interact with people that don't look like I do, that don't look like you do. How do you interact with people that don't think like you do? Or how do you get to know somebody that doesn't believe like what you believe? That's the purpose of this story. And Jesus is the great example, amen? So my prayers today is this. I'm hoping that today, I'm hoping that the very things that break the heart of God are the same things that are gonna break your heart. And I hope that when you leave here today, you didn't just learn something new, but you got your marching orders. You got your instructions that this is what I'm supposed to do when I go out into the mission field in the public. Now, I want you to know I'm very passionate about this today, and I'm also very, there's an urgency. Do you understand that? There's an urgency. Our world is going down the wrong path fast, but God told us this was going to happen, right? So we should not be surprised, but you know what? There are people who don't know Jesus And you know what? They may not think like you do, and they may not look like you do, and they may not believe like you do, but you know what? They need to hear about Jesus. And today, we're going to look at this story, and we're just going to follow what Jesus does, okay? All right, so I went to the Pew Research Report, and I wanted to find out some information about evangelism. And I found some things that I thought were really interesting. So let me bore you for just a second, okay? Here's the first one, okay? 78% of churchgoers have not shared their faith with anyone in the last six months. Heaven help us. I know that's no one in here. But you know what? I think that's part of the issue that the world has with us. If this God is so important to you, like you say he is, for six months you haven't had an opportunity to share with somebody about what God has done in your life, Take a look at this next one. More than half of the unchurched Americans say they are Christian. I love this. More than half of unchurched Americans say they are Christian. 25% of them represent the Catholic faith, 20% the Protestant faith, and 11% of them are non-denominational. Now watch this. Two in three unchurched Americans say they have multiple Christian friends that they interact with regularly. All right, now I'm starting to get a little excited. 
So that means when I go to the gym, the two out of every three people in there are going to say that they have friends who attend church regular. Okay, now, watch this last one. This is the one that'll get you. 79% of unchurched say they don't mind their Christian friends talking about their faith. <laughs> if that's not an invitation, I don't know what is. But here's what I want you to do. If you lump it all up, this is what it says. And I don't care if you're in college or high school or you're a senior citizen, wherever you are, this is what they're telling us, is that the people who call themselves maybe unchurched would love to talk to you about your faith. They would love to know why you believe what they believe. And you know what our thinking is, is that everyone that we come in contact with, if they know I'm a Christian, if they know I'm a believer, it's like, hands off. No, that's not true. You know why? Because they're living the same life you and I are. And if they're living the same life you and I are, guess what? That means they're going to have trials, they're going to have tribulations, they're going to have problems that they don't know what to do with. And they're looking, and sometimes they don't even realize they're looking, Okay? All right, now last week, we talked about some very important mission. And by the way, doesn't Pastor Jordan look awesome in a tie? I, I am so impressed. Are you trying to gain bonus points? Because if you are, you are, okay? All right, and others too, okay. All right, now last week, you remember, I shared with you some really important information about what we need to know to understand this story, Remember? And remember, the very first thing I told you was is that if you want to understand what's happening with the woman and well, you can't look at it through Western eyes. You have to look at it through the Middle Eastern type of view. That's the way this story was meant to be learned. All right, now, last week we talked about something called reciprocal hospitality. Remember that? Okay, in the Middle East, hospitality is everything. It's how you get honor, it's how you give honor. So here's what that means. If I invite you to my house and I serve you a meal, if I give you food, I give you wine, and I, and, I, and I just load it up for you, you know what? I should expect, I can expect, that you will reciprocate that to me someday. All right, now here's where I want you to listen very carefully. That's the truth of the matter, even if it's only a cup of water. See where I'm going with this? Hospitality can be a big major deal like a wedding or it could simply be an everyday life. Will you give me something to drink? The second thing I want to remind you of is a term, a word that John used. Remember, he likes the word miracle, but he's really into this word called signs, right? There are seven of them that John talks about in his gospel. Remember what a sign is? A sign is something supernatural that Jesus does, but remember, it was done because it points to something more significant down the road. Last week, we talked about the miracle at the wedding of Cana. The first sign was Jesus changing the water into wine. Guess what? That pointed to something more significant down the road, right? So all John is trying to tell us is this, is that everything in life is connected. Everything. The last one I want to remind you of is this ceremonially um, purification system. Remember what that was? Remember, it wasn't just water that was a big deal. It was running water because running water was living water. 
And when you walked into a home, they would purify you. They would wash you, wash your hands as they would run water over your hands, and that would remove all of the purities. Remember the first sign, bed at the wedding of Cana? What happened? Okay, Jesus, because he turned the water into wine, was signifying that wine represented his blood. And one day soon, there was a day coming when he was going to give up his life, and he was going to die on the cross, and he would, create, he would create everyone ceremonially clean who received him simply because he removed all the impurities of our sin. And so John wants us to know that everything in the life of Jesus points to the reason why he came. Why did Jesus come? To give his life as a ransom for all. All right, now. Jesus has an appointment to keep. It was put on his calendar by his heavenly Father. And this appointment that Jesus has to keep involves some travel. So he is now on his way to the appointment. And the goal, he's got to get there by noon. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from John chapter 4, verses 1 through Eight. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. He's talking about John the Baptist, okay? He was gaining more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who was baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Will you give me a drink? This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, I make my plans, but you order my steps, and I would have it no other way. Lead me to the people who need my touch and strengthen my hearing so I'll know when to speak and when to keep my mouth shut. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. If you were to take all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you were to combine them and look at the three-year ministry of Jesus, give or take a month or two, you would find out that we actually only see Jesus in action for about 30 days. Okay? I mean, we only see a, a brief part of his life, and that's why John writes this in the Bible that we need to be aware of. Jesus did many other things as well, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written, okay? All right, now, one of my favorite movies is Apollo 13. How many of you guys like Apollo 13? How many of you girls like Apollo 13? See, I'm not the only one that likes that movie. So the other day, it was on TV, and I was watching, and she comes in, and she goes, oh, you and your Apollo 13. But you know in this, in this movie, there's a story about a guy by the name of Jim Lovell. He's played by Paul Hanks, Tom Hanks, excuse me. All right, so in this movie, 
they have, a, they, they have this disaster, and all of a sudden, we get to experience probably one of the greatest lines in that movie. Remember what it is? Houston, we have a problem. Now, what I want you to know is that in the story that I just read, in God's Word, Houston, we have a problem. That's the message that would have gotten to the leaders of the Sanhedrin in the temple in Jerusalem. You see, the Pharisees were very much aware of what Jesus was doing, and they were concerned. So what they would do is this. They would gather spies, and they would get people who could go and watch Jesus, and then those spies would get the word back to the leaders so they could keep their eyes and their ears and their thumb on this guy by the name of Jesus. So we find out now in the very beginning what the report would have looked at like. Take a look at this. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. Okay, so what happened here? Jesus' ministry is growing, and it is growing by leaps and bounds. I mean, think about it. You've got the greatest preacher of all time, and he's preaching messages. And ladies and gentlemen, people are coming from all over the countryside to hear him speak. Why? He's speaking words they've never heard before. He's speaking words of love, speaking words of acceptance. He's not pointing the finger, and he's welcoming everybody into his midst. The result of that was his disciples were energized. Why? Because they were baptizing people constantly. So what's happening? Ministry is good. In fact, it is growing. And then all of a sudden, at the top of what's going on, Jesus says, "Um, we need to go. Look at this. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, when I read that, obviously we know the whole story, but at that very first part, you need to understand what everybody would have been asking is, Jesus, why? Everything's going exactly the way it needs to go. Why in the world would we leave? You know why they had to leave? Here's the reason, because it was not his time yet. What I want you to understand, remember, is that the Jewish people When they heard of the Messiah, it was not the Messiah that Jesus came to be. What they saw in their Messiah was one who was going to bring about peace, prosperity, and social justice. And now they see this guy who could be the man, and they're thinking, we want to make this guy king. So what does Jesus do? He leaves. Now watch what happens. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So finally, we're at the well, right? This well is located just outside the town of Sychar, the Bible tells us, and it tells us it's near this historic landmark, which is called Jacob's well. Jacob's well literally means moving spring. There's that running water again. Just to the northwest, about 100 yards, is Joseph's tomb. And now we find out that Jesus is at the well. It's the middle of the day, and he's exhausted. Now, here's the first thing I want us to learn today. Here we go. 
If you want to bring the good news to sinners, you need to go where sinners go when sinners go there. If you want to bring the good news to sinners, you need to go where sinners go when sinners go there. And please remember that when you go there, you're also a sinner. Not because you went there, but because you're a sinner just like everybody else is, right? Now watch what the Bible tells us here. So Jesus is at this one and says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? If you want to share the good news with a college student, you need to go to where college students hang out. Did you know that? If you want to go and you want to share the good news with high school students or middle school students, you need to go where they hang out. I learned that from experience when we were in Florida. Our church was sitting right on on the college campus. And you know what? They came to our church twice a week for chapel. I thought, this is a piece of cake. You know when they started going to our church? When I started going to their weight room, when I started showing up in their gym, when I started eating with them at the cafeteria, when I started seeing them in the library, although I was not there to study, or when I went to the student union. Here's what I want you to hear loud and clear, please. If you want to be intentional about going after people, you have to be intentional and you have to go and seek them where and when they gather. All I'm simply saying is this, you got to know your audience. You got to know where they hang out. So if you know where they hang out and you go there, now you're being intentional about this. Jesus knew that this woman was coming to the well and that she was coming by herself. Now, why would she come by herself? You know what the answer to that question is? Because obviously she didn't want to be around people. So she comes at new time. In the, in the heat of the day, she comes by herself. That's a good send-off, all right? Here's what I want us to remember about this I think is so important. Why would she come during that time? Well, the Bible tells us a little bit later. Look what it says. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Okay, that comes later in the story, but I want to pull that up for a reason, okay? Do you know who this woman is? She's a Samaritan. And in those days, women were about as low as you can go. In fact, the Pharisees of those days, one of the prayers they prayed was this, I thank God I'm not a woman. Did you know that the only woman that a Jewish man could speak to in public was his daughter? He couldn't even speak to his wife in public. And if you were a Samaritan, obviously, you could have nothing to do with them. Okay, so let's bring that home here in our land. Do we have anything like that going in our land? Oh, I guarantee you. Color, the way we speak, a political party that we're a part of, maybe what high school we go to. We have the same stuff that goes on in our very own land. And you know what? It seems to me like we could learn something from what Jesus did. Now, this woman was divorced. In those days, a woman could not divorce a man. So when a man would divorce his wife, he had to give her a certificate. And on the certificate, it would be his name and then also the reason why he divorced her. 
This woman has had how many husbands? Five. So that means husband number five, can you imagine when he gets that certificate? Oh my word, oh I see you've been married to Tom and Mike and Steve and George. And I see on here also that man, the first time you got a divorce, wow, you burnt the chicken. Why'd you do that? You know what I mean? But all of these reasons for why the divorce takes place is right there. Now, we don't know for sure, but it doesn't look like she has any children. That brings a heap amount of shame upon her, and it just reinforces the fact that God doesn't like you. You ever feel like God doesn't like you? Have you ever done something and you think God could never like me? That's this woman. And now she's living with a sixth man. And you know what? He doesn't care about her. How do you know that? Well, he doesn't even come with her to the well, one of the most dangerous places to protect her. To him, she's just a piece of meat. Can you imagine how this woman felt? She's the scum of the earth. Jesus knows every snide remark that somebody has made about her behind her back. Jesus knows about all those nights when she laid in that bed crying herself to sleep, and even in those times when she's wondering, maybe I should just end it all. And what happens? Here she comes now to this place, and the first thing she sees is a man, and she knows that he's Jewish. I want you to put yourself in that picture, in that frame, in that story. And I want you to look at the very first thing Jesus does. He removes all barriers. Religious, cultural, he gets rid of all of them. Anything that would keep this woman from coming to him, he gets rid of them all. Now, what's he trying to do? You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't point the finger at her and give her the truth. Isn't it easy for us when we encounter somebody who may not think like we do or look like we do or believe like we do, and we find them and they get into a difficult matter, and what's the first thing we do? We want to lambast them with truth. Well, you know what the Bible says, beep, 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 beep. And then we walk away on our high horse. But did you notice Jesus doesn't do that? So I want you to look at something here. Jesus knows how not to initiate a dialogue with her. Let's look at what he does here, okay? Number one, he comes to her as a surprise and he disarms her. He just, he just disarms her. And how does he do that? He asks her a question. Well, wait a minute. He's not supposed to talk to her. Now all of a sudden, this woman who's probably creeping in here, and she's thinking, oh, I'm just scum, this guy's not going to talk to me. All of a sudden, Jesus talks to her. That would get her attention, wouldn't it? Look at the second thing. He lifts her up and gives her dignity. By talking to her, he gives her dignity. And then he says, would you give me a drink? The third thing he does, he's personal with her. He's talking just her. It's just the two, one-on-one. Can you imagine how Jesus looks at her in the eye? Can you imagine the love that is in the eyes of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? This girl, woman, she just became just, she just probably became, became water. 
The Bible also says then he shatters all barriers by talking to her. He encourages a response. Remember, there's that, what? Reciprocal hospitality. He asks her for a drink. He puts her in a place where she has to respond. And look at the last thing. He prepares the way for truth. But what does the last word say there? Later, when the time is right. You all know that my mission field is Genesis. That's where I go, and I love to hang out there. I work out, and I get to know a lot of people. And one of the things that I do is when I go there, I'm always praying for who it is that God wants me to interact with. And you know why? Because I believe that God does his best work through his people. And so if I'm on the same line with him, if I'm asking him, show me where you're working, you know what? He'll show me. So here's one of the things that I've learned. This is how I've learned how to remove barriers. I'm in the gym, I'm with somebody, and I say to a guy, I say, hey, would you give me a spot? Now, a spot is simply that, okay, I'm gonna lift a weight heavier than I normally can lift, and so I just need you to help me with the bar to keep it moving. I'm literally saying I'm putting my life in your hands, right? Okay, because if they don't help me, I'm in deep doo-doo, okay? All right, now, here's what I want you to know. I've been doing this for a long time. I have never had any person say to me, no. It's kind of the gym language. Okay, so if he needs a spot, you know what? I am going to help him because that's what we do in the gym. All right, now, when that's over with, guess what I do next? The first thing I do is I say, thank you, and then I extend my hand and I tell them, my name is Bob. You know what they always tell you? They tell you what their name is. So guess what the next goal is? From that point in time, when I go in there, I remember what their name is. And when I see them, I acknowledge them by calling them by their name or saying good morning or whenever it is that I'm there. That's all it is. And what have I done? I've just removed any barriers. I don't tell anybody, hi, my name is Pastor Bob. You may kiss my ring. I don't do anything like that, okay? All I simply do is, is I just want to be like everybody else. And you know, I can tell you what happens. I don't know whose life that I've touched, but God does. And there always comes a time when I get an opportunity when somebody will say to me, I have a question for you. You see, if we're truly serious about who we say we are, we're followers of Jesus Christ, then we're going to go to people and we're going to share him with them, but we're not going to share him with them by telling the truth and telling them all the facts of who Jesus is. We're simply going to begin by building a relationship. So can I tell you something? When you go and you pray that God would put somebody in your life that your paths will cross with, you know what your job is to do is remove barriers and just build a relationship and understand. It doesn't mean it's going to happen today. It may be two or three years down the path, but God is working. All right, now, here's my prayer for you this morning. I'm praying that you would be praying about who it is that God wants you to cross your paths with. And here's why. This is my favorite time of the year. We have Candy, we have candy Crush coming up, right? And what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to show off our children's ministry. But if you've been here before, you know that we'll probably have 1,000 kids come in here. And we're trying to raise 100,000 pieces of candy. So help us raise that candy. So here's what happens. We get those kids in here, and then they get to see this is a safe place. 
they get to have fun. Mom and dad get to all be here together and they recognize, you know, a church isn't going to do anything that's going to hurt my child. You know what? And everybody has a good time. They go home and they can eat the sugar for how long are they ever going to eat that sugar, okay? But here's the deal. You see, that's how you invite somebody. I'm not asking you to invite somebody to church. I'm just asking you to invite, hey, if you know somebody who has children, you know, we've got these little postcards, these little cards. You know what you can do? You can just say, hey, listen, our church, the one over on Maple, you know what we do for Halloween? We invite all the kids together, and what we do is we have this thing called Candy Crush. They can wear their costumes. They come inside, and what they do is they just walk through, and you know what? They'll get all the candy they want, and then some, and it's all in a safe environment. Here, come and see us. And then in November, what do we do in November? We have the big food giveaway, right? How hard would it be for someone to say, you know what? In November, in about three or four weeks, you know what? We get together as a Saturday, our church, and all we do is we give away free meals to the people that don't have free meals. What are we doing? We're giving them a Thanksgiving dinner. You ought to see the people that show up, and all we simply are doing is we're just giving them a free meal. Why don't you come and help me do it? It'll change your life. And then actually in two months from today, then we have the majesty of Christmas. And the majesty of Christmas, remember when we celebrate Christmas and we, we show people all of our talent and we sing the praises and we sing the songs to the Lord, you know what? And then we can invite them to there. But all I'm simply asking is that as a church, that each one of us would take seriously the responsibility that Jesus has given to us to go out and to share the good news. Because here's what I want you to know. I know that if I can invite somebody and I can just get them in the room, all of you will love them into this building, into this church. All Jesus did was this. He asked for a drink of water. Now, one last thing I want to say, and then I'm going to wrap this up, okay? Jesus didn't come with a, with a drinking utensil. Did you know that? He didn't have a cup with him. So when he asked the woman for a drink of water, he was also saying, and can I use the cup that you're using? That was a major faux pas, because if Jesus would have used that cup, that would have made him ceremonially unclean, right? But you know what I learned? Is that if you go through all of the New Testament, you will find out that Jesus was always doing things that made himself ceremonially unclean. He was touching dead bodies. He was drinking out of a utensil from somebody that was a woman that was a Samaritan. And those were big faux pas that you just didn't do. But Jesus didn't care. What's he trying to tell us? Don't get hung up in traditions. It's about a relationship. And you know what I learned is that as you go through the scriptures, everything that Jesus touched, remember, he sanctified. And so it was clean because he already was clean. And so my prayer for us today is this, that we would understand what it is that Jesus wants to do through us. All right, remember the story of the meatloaf. Do you realize that we are the only religion that our God goes and seeks and finds his followers? Do you realize that? The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Son of Man came to what? Seek and to save that which was lost. People sometimes will say, hey, tell me about your church. Is it a seeker-friendly church? And here's what I want you to say to them if anybody says that. Here's what I would say to them. 
Yes, our seeker is Jesus, and yes, we are very friendly with him. Because in that word it said, the Son of Man came that all men would be saved. I believe with all of my heart that there are people in our world today, in our community right here, are waiting for us to touch them. But it begins by us abiding with our, heavenly, with, our, with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we abide, being conscious of the fact that Jesus is always working, and wherever he's working, he gives us an opportunity to go and join him. So here's my challenge. Maybe you're going out to eat for lunch right after this. When the waitress comes up, I want you to say this. Can I have your name, please? Oh, Emily? Nice to meet you, Emily. My name is Bob. This is my wife, Lori. Hey, we're going to pray for our meal. And before we pray, I just want to ask you, is there anything that I could pray for you about? And you watch what happens. And then, before you leave, after you've left a tip, You take one of these and you just put it on the table and you let God do the rest. It's not that hard, is it? In fact, it's pretty simple. You just have to say, Father, use me however you want to use me today.